0: Welcome to Details Please, a mother daughter podcast dedicated to music. I'm Rose Reed, and my co host is Gail Reed, my mother. This episode is a taping of our first live show, recorded in front of an audience in New York City on June 17th, 2017. My mom and I tell the origin story of the podcast and everything that went with it from heartbreak and late night phone calls to an attempt to see Tony Bennett in concert. For coming tonight. <laughs> this is our first live show, and before we get started, we want to dedicate this event to the first instigators, the original ball busters, my grandparents, Norman and Irene. Woo! We were supposed to have them on Facebook. It's like, hey, can you just have them say hey? Hey. No, grandma, grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> have Grandma and Grandpa say hey. Hi,
1: hello.
0: Can you? <laughs> this is just a little prelude to the entire show. Hi, Grandma. We just want to say hi. Everyone say hi, Irene. Hi, Irene. Hi. Grandma? Is Grandpa there? Well, we're, yeah. you're going to mute your end. You're going to listen in. We're dedicating the show to you. Okay? You and Grandpa. You and Daddy. Oh, uh-oh.
2: Uh. We're all of us together on the phone? Well, <laughs> yes, you and about 30 people here right here in uh, the Lower East Side, Mommy, about a half a mile from uh, Eldridge Street, where Grandma and Grandpa. Yeah, we're in the Lower East Side. Okay, I'm going to give you back to Dan now, but just listen
0: in. It's too hard to hang out. We
2: love you. Yeah, definitely mute her. <laughs> Okay. All right.
0: Well, we just had our
2: first technical glitch of the evening. Thank you so much. Um, So a lot of people have asked us how we came to do this podcast. And, uh,
0: you know, I tell them that I've been recording and talking to my family um, with their permission, without their permission, (laughs) for almost a decade. Um, And when I thought about doing my own radio project, I really kept coming back to doing something either with them or about them. And that's, I approached my mom and I told her I really wanted to do something.
2: I am an experienced editor in that I am the editor of Rose's productions that she's been working on for the last year and a half. So she pitched me a couple of ideas. I really wanted to do this podcast about women in business. (laughs) And I have to say, I've spent my life working in business, and I'm really, really, um, I'm over it. <laughs> She's sick of it. So that. if I want to do something that I like and, and spend my time doing something I enjoy, um, I said to Rose, let's talk about something that we love, that we both love, and we both love music. So welcome
0: to Details, Please. I'm Rose Reed, and my co-host is
2: my mother, Gail Reed for our first thank you for our first live show we thought it appropriate to share our origin story of how we started this podcast uh, it involves this story involves my parents tony bennett and a fuckboy
1: Hit the fuckboy fuckboy
3: my bitch bitch said it that's why I should have let your best friend get it. We went on trips, you bought Chanel, but money ain't shit when you soft as hell. Cause you's a fuck boy, fuck boy. My mama even said it, you still gonna talk and that's a goddamn shame. But a hoe gonna be a hoe and the lane gonna be a lane. fuck boy.
0: <laughs> so for those of you who don't know that term, you can learn alongside with my grandma. I'm what it's a name. Um, I
3: want to look up the Urban Dictionary. Um, a fuckboy is a man who wants a girlfriend without the attendant responsibilities. They become emotional... What? That's a good one. They become emotional vampires to women who aren't even their (laughs) girlfriends. There's
0: a lot of weirdos out in this world. So I call my grandparents a lot. Uh, My grandpa and I really have the same sense of humor, and he just loves real talk, and he loves crude jokes. So on a day I got dumped, about six months ago, I knew the person that I would call, and the one man I could talk to when I felt strung out on yet another guy. I can't hear you. Can you ask Grandma to lower the TV?
1: It's uh, Tony Bennett's 90th birthday.
3: Lower your voice.
1: i the bedroom. She's gonna go in the bedroom. Everybody is there. It's at Radio City. Stevie Wonder is coming out now. i made it lower. Why are you sad? About this guy. The guy's a prick. What are you worried about?
3: I really like this one.
1: You could talk louder, so I don't have to really. Push the phone through my ear. I got the phone so far up my ear. It's touching my ass. <laughs> so next week's another guy. You know Not how?
3: just some guy. It's someone who's really special to me.
1: I'm watching him sing now. I, I don't know. What He's famous. I don't, I don't know his name. I ain't Yo. No. Who is singing? Yes. <laughs> Who is singing at the piano? Elton John. Elton John, you know him?
3: <laughs> yeah, I know him.
1: He's singing. i sing.
3: back after
1: the program. These are my nice songs. These are all grandma's songs. Take care of yourself, okay? Okay, I love you. Smile, though your heart is Smile, even though it's breaking
0: So my grandparents don't really move around that easily. They rely on walkers that they call their wagons And my grandpa has this motorized lazy boy that launches him to standing and then gently lowers him to sitting. They now live in a carpeted two bedroom apartment in a retirement community not far from my parents on the perimeter of Atlanta.
2: You know, Rose, it amazes me how you can call my father and bear your feelings to him. I've never talked to him that way, and I probably never will. The whole time I was growing up, he was more interested in controlling me than consoling me. But your grandmother did feel really bad about not talking to you that night. She called me the next day and said how sorry she was that she couldn't talk to you when you were so upset. And I'm thinking a couple of things. I'm thinking, first of all, my mother doesn't usually show remorse, and especially in her, her later years. And how come they knew you were upset and I didn't know you were upset? So I was really confused. I had no idea what she was talking about. But I just want you to know, she did say she felt really bad. Hello, see, it's Grandma.
3: I'm sorry I didn't talk to you the uh, Tuesday night, but I had a tribute to Tony Bennett, who was singing all my songs when I was a young girl. Just for her. And it was very
2: sentimental.
3: If you have a chance, call me, I'd love
2: to.: have to, to you. Who knew Grandma liked Tony Bennett so much? <laughs> in my memory, it was always my dad, uh, Rosa's grandfather, who would just burst into song when we were walking down the street indiscriminately, but at least, even though he humiliated you, <laughs> you knew he was in a good mood. And I knew that my mother liked music, but I didn't realize she loved it. My parents were born and raised in the culture of the of Depression-era Brooklyn. They were fiercely American, thoroughly Jewish, and bonded in the music of the great American songbook. In fact, for their first official date, my father pulled strings and got tickets to see The King and I with Yul Brenner, the hottest ticket on Broadway.
3: My first date, I was very impressed. With Grandpa with Grandpa. He took me to Broadway to see uh, Yule Brenner and the King and I. And... and I where did you th- sit? Third row Center. Center. I was so impressed. I didn't know the butcher baby. was. And, and I, I was so enthralled with Yule Brenner. He cracked that whip I jumped out of my chair. <laughs> he was so incredible. So incredible.
2: Well, clearly... Irene was very impressed because within five months they were married. So a few days after this phone call and the Tony Bennett concert,
0: I googled Tony Bennett. And um, I didn't really, I always think of him... That's like Frank Sinatra, like the Jewish Frank Sinatra? Except he's Italian. Right, he's not Jewish. I know, so I I get it all wrong. But um, (laughs) apparently he was coming to Atlanta to perform um, in the next month, and I would be home. It was right around the time of my grandpa's 90th birthday. So, you know, just a few months after Tony Bennett's 90th birthday. And we were already planning to have this huge weekend for my grandfather, and, you know, family was coming in, my sister, brother-in-law, cousin, and his son. We were all flying in, we would have lunches and dinners, and I just thought this show would like be the icing on the cake. And I just felt like, okay, my mission is set, I'm going to take my energy from my heartache and put it in my one true love, planning. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. I knew, <laughs> yeah, as you all know, you all yeah. got an email to come here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, it was going to be really expensive, though. I've never even conceived of spending this much on concert tickets. It was going to be $250 a person. Um, but I was just completely convinced that it was going to be totally worth it. And, but then my next and surprising next obstacle,
2: my mom was really opposed to it. Well, my parents can be unpredictable, and I wasn't sure that they would really want to go. And to be honest, when Rose first brought this up, my first thought was that the burden would fall on me to do all the logistics and to get them from their uh, assisted living facility north of Atlanta to downtown uh, Atlanta Symphony Hall. And Matthew was gonna be out of town, so it was just gonna be me and Rose. And if you'd ever been with my parents, you would know that even getting them from the second floor of where their apartment is, To the first floor dining room is a bit of an odyssey of a trip. Mm -hmm. And I had this, you know, big plan. I wanted to surprise them. And I was trying to convince mom about this. So I said to Rose, you know, at (laughs) 90, surprises aren't such a great idea. (laughs) And this way, we'll get their buy-in if they want to go. And if they do, then they'll have it to look forward to. So I called them and, you know, see how they felt about it.
3: Hey, let me ask you, can you see Grandpa on the phone at the same time? Yeah, uh, he's sleeping. I'll wake him up. This is what I okay. mean. Hold on a minute. Let me get another phone, okay? Okay. Okay. I got the phone. Now hold on. I have to bring it back to Grandpa, okay? Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay, H- he's putting on the phone.
1: Hi, oh, Rosie.
3: Hi, I'm sorry to wake you up.
1: That's okay.
3: Are you mad at me? No. Let me mad you. Why should he be mad at you? Because I woke him up. Oh, so I'll fall asleep again. <laughs> What's up? What do you think about seeing Tony Bennett in concert? Wow. wow! You take us? Yeah, me and mommy. Because we could... Oh, that's exciting! Yeah. Okay. Oh, my God!
1: Tony Billy Bennett. Ah. Oh. I love him.
3: I adore him. I remember <laughs> his first record. His very first record.
1: San Francisco.
3: No. Because of you, there's a song in my heart. Because of you. Okay. That was his first hit record. Okay, darling. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay. Love you. Mm. (laughs) I love you. Okay. I I have to go. The eight is here. (laughs) Okay.
1: Seems to be the ideal
0: So my next call was Ticketmaster And uh, we got the last four seats in the house together And it was in the balcony, but the woman on the other line Her name was also Rose um, She assured me that it was on the aisle And it all seemed like smooth sailing Until Mom went to the venue a couple weeks before the show
2: so it just so happened that Matthew and I had tickets to a completely unrelated event, but it was at Symphony Hall. So after the show, I said, Matt, let's go check out, scope out these seats that Rose got from my parents so that I can be prepared to uh, get them to their seats smoothly. So we took the elevator up and arrived at the first balcony. And then we were told there was no elevator to the balcony where our seats were and we looked and there were 30 steps up and then another few steps up. Well, If you can imagine on two walkers it's hard to get people up three steps, four steps, 30 steps was impossible. So I completely freaked out. And I realized that, um, that there was no way we could use these seats. So the head usher explained to us that this facility, the Atlanta Symphony Hall, was built in the early 60s and it was built before accommodations were made for any kind of uh, physical uh, accessibility needs. But she said, why don't you call the house manager and see if either they'll exchange the tickets for you or you know help you out in some way. So I called the t- house manager the next day and the woman wasn't rude, but she was curt and to the point. And she said, look... I can't exchange your tickets. You didn't buy them through the symphony hall. And you, I can tell you that there's a chance you will have seating in the wheelchair, wheelchair section for your parents. But I can't promise anything. I, I can't give you any kind of guarantee. So very limited wheelchair seating was the best answer that I got. And I had this fear that we were going to end up having spent $1,000 on these tickets and we would end up sitting with my parents in the lobby of Atlanta Symphony Hall listening to Tony Bennett coming out of the door. So as you can imagine, the next 10 days were full of anxiety for me as I fretted over these logistics of how I was going to get my parents to this show.
1: The best is yet to come and they won't
3: it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you So ain't the seen day it I so
0: arrived in Atlanta a few days before the show for this big 90th birthday weekend, um, when I showed up at the house, mom was limping and on painkillers. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it had already set in. <laughs> so the, right before Rose came into town, I had just came up come back from a meeting. I got out of the car and I was in terrible pain. There was something wrong with my hip. So I said to Matthew, I said, do you think that I could maybe need a hip replacement surgery and it could just happen to me overnight? Um, But then I realized, and Matt knows me pretty well, uh, that occasionally when I feel extreme stress and my anxiety level reaches the point of no return, It expresses itself in excruciating physical pain, but fortunately for me, my husband had a few Percocets left over, and um, I just started to take them. But besides
0: mom's pain, the weekend went off without a hitch, from dinner to Sunday brunch, and grandpa couldn't have been happier. The entire family was together the entire weekend, and on Tuesday night, the night of the show, mom and I went to go
2: pick them up. we had totally enough time. We were two hours early. So we get there, and just as we get them in the car, there's an enormous thunderstorm. And I know people picture Atlanta as this lovely southern city, but we have enormous traffic problems. And when it rains, it might as well be like a blizzard in New England. People just completely just lose, or lose their ability to drive with any rationale. So... What would have normally taken us a half hour, where we would have been at least an hour before Curtain uh, at the theater, took us 90 minutes, and we're crawling. And the tension, my tension is getting really thick, although I'm trying really hard to contain myself and stay calm because we haven't breathed a word of any of this to my parents. They have no idea. So mom's sitting in
0: front of me and she's getting more and more tense. Grandma's next to me in the back seat. Grandpa's in the front seat. they don't go out that much. They don't go to downtown that much anymore. And they kept being like, oh, look at that building. Look at that building. What do you want? I don't think we need the wheelchairs. Blah, 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 blah. By the time we got out of the car, Mom had come around. We were there 15 minutes before curtain. Maybe, yeah. We were. T- we felt totally It screened. was raining. And so they're like, we're late. We don't need the chairs. We'll just get a wagon. I'll hold on to your hand. And Mom put... Grandpa in the wheelchair. She said, Daddy, if you don't move it, I'm going to explode. <laughs> <laughs> she, she just started wheeling him ahead of me. So,
2: just <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I followed with Grandma behind her. Yeah, so I just marched right into the uh, lobby of, the, of Symphony Hall, right up to the orchestra section, and explained that I have been promised... Uh, two seats in the limited wheelchair section for my aging, ailing parents (laughs) who obviously are unable to walk up the steps to our balcony seats. They told us we could drop them off but that
0: we couldn't sit with them and that we could wheel them in and put them in the wheelchair area. Meanwhile, there's a row of folding chairs behind this wheelchair, limited wheelchair access area. And... um, The house manager told the usher, make sure they go upstairs because that's where their tickets are. And so I started to cry. I couldn't help it. (laughs) But as we wheeled them in, I I turned to mom and I said, look, look, let's just sit in these folding chairs. They were completely empty until somebody kicks us out. And we were kind of prepared for this. we had enough $20 bills between the two of us to bribe anybody we needed to.
2: And I hadn't realized at that point that Rose was really... A, she was really counting on experiencing the show with them, where, from my perspective, my hip was killing me, my painkillers were wearing off. I'm sitting in a folding chair in the back of the, the very last row of, of Symphony Hall, and um, I paid $250 for this chair. But... As usual, we did what Rose wanted.
0: (laughs) That's Grandma singing along. This is a pirated tape of the concert. So the usher ignored us. turns out I talked to her later in the hallway. I cried again to her, and she's like, oh, my mother's 90, blah, 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 blah. I totally understand. I still gave her, like, $40. Um, But when Tony Bennett came on, you know, and Grandma said, this is my song, she she was crying, and, you know, she took Grandpa's hand, and they held hands like this the whole night. And it really touched me. And to me, it felt like, You know, it
2: was really all worth it. I know it doesn't really matter, but I just want to say, I think it was my
3: $40.
2: (laughs) I know I brought some money. I know you did. (laughs) Tony Bennett and my dad were born just a few months apart in the late 1920s. When Tony had his first big hit in 1951, Norman, my dad, was working as the catering manager at my grandfather's kosher deli in Prospect Park, and Irene was finishing her associate's degree in accounting at Brooklyn College. When I was five years old, my parents achieved the American dream and bought a house, their first house on Long Island. We lived on a cul-de-sac with all young married people who had kids, and everyone belonged to the same synagogue, Temple Gates of Zion in Valley Stream. My mom and dad were active in the, brother, uh, in the men's club and the sister, sisterhood and uh, even found time to participate in the annual Temple musical production. See, Steffi, I come by it honestly. Uh, in 1964, when I was nine, my father was the star of Fiorello at the temple. It was a really big deal and the songs from the show became the soundtrack to our lives. I learned every word to every song and helped my father rehearse his lines. My mother said, you could be his understudy. <laughs> <sighs> it was a real bonding experience at the time. But as I got older, I retreated to my room with my guitar, my records, and my own stereo. In the late 1970s, both Tony Bennett and my father would struggle in their careers and have the challenge of redefining themselves in the second half of their adult lives. And now, on this night, here we were, me, Rose, and my parents, celebrating my dad and Tony Bennett's 90th birthdays, all together. (laughs) Oh boy. What a show. I I look at this guy.
1: I mean, I remember complete shit. And he remembers every word. Well, he does rehearse. I don't care if I rehearsed all day. I had to wait 90 years for this weekend. Ain't it a bitch?
0: Yeah. I got five years to catch up.
3: I left my
1: heart in San Francisco
2: I've acknowledged the importance of music in my life and how strongly I am attached to the music of my youth and I realize that's what Tony Bennett is for my parents that his music is just as important to them. And one of the things that we
0: keep coming back to as we talk about musicians and as we're interviewing musicians is we realize so many of them were exposed and influenced from a really early age, kind of like the Malcolm Gladwell theory of the proximity and access that they had to other musicians and education. And
2: I've really envied them. Yeah because I I love music, but I appreciate music a lot more and with more frequency than I play it. But I realized, and since we started doing this podcast, that in their own way, my parents gave me the gift of music appreciation. And it wasn't until we went to see Tony Bennett together that I realized how much joy music brings to them. So I guess we could credit, I guess we could credit grandma and grandpa for the origin of this podcast. And I've been thinking that, you know,
0: had I not gotten dumped on Tony Bennett's birthday, <laughs> I probably wouldn't have called grandpa the day of the tribute concert. So are you saying we have a fuckboy to thank for this podcast? <laughs> R.I.P., I would never go that far. He's not dead. He's just dead to all of us. Yes. Okay. Just, just to be clear. It's not like... <laughs> um, sorry. <laughs> but you see, like, wallowing or being bitter, like, that's a choice, you know? And um, one of the things that Grandpa told me on this phone call when I called him, you know, kind of at the lowest, you know, the, the more pathetic sounding than you are to your friends, and you're like, it's better, whatever. Um, he told me that I sounded like one of those people. He didn't say, okay, he made an analogy. He goes, Have you ever seen someone whose battery has died in their car and they keep pushing the car? And I was like, Am I the car or the person pushing the car? As you can imagine, he didn't really answer what I was saying. He asked grandma another question. But it made me think about, you know, I could really choose to put energy in feeling like, you know, sorry or whatever. But I can also put energy into all this joy and, like, the music in life. And I don't just have one love or one person. I have many. And I really like to operate in the world and throughout my day, you know, with a lot of love. With these old people and, you know, with you. Thank you. (laughs) There are so so many better places to put my energy.
2: Absolutely. And putting our energy together has really worked out well for me. I've loved doing this podcast with you. And we hope it's been a good experience for all of you as well.
0: Thank you for coming to our first live episode. We wanna say a few thank yous and then we have some time to take a couple questions. Uh, the music that we featured tonight uh, was by Tony Bennett, Trina, and Trina, the Fuck Boy song. Our theme music is by Tony Matala, and we want to give a special thanks to Dar Hirsch in the corner quietly. Uh, she scores and mixes our episode. Juan Marcos Percy is recording tonight. Rob Schulte is assisting. Emily Kennedy is in the audience, and she transcribes all, everything for us. Matthew Reed. Woo! If he can hear us, my uncle Norman, who's in Atlanta and trying to get us on speaker with my grandparents, the Adam and Eve of our story tonight, Norman and Irene. Thank you. Good night, Mom. Good night, Dad. We love you. Good night, Grandma. Good night, Grandpa. We love you. Thank you for listening to our fourth episode of Details Please, recorded from our first live show. Please subscribe on iTunes. It really helps. And our podcast feed was hacked and we lost a lot of our subscribers. Or to show your support, leave us a short review. We'd love to hear from you.